0: Welcome to the Moving in the Right Direction podcast, a podcast designed to help seniors move from the longtime home they love to the lifestyles they deserve. I am your host, Chris Essenberg, and I am joined, of course, as always, by Bruce Nemovitz. How are you doing, Bruce? I'm doing great,
1: Chris, and I'm really excited uh, to hear today's podcast interview with Barb Horsefire because uh, of all the people I work with, Barb and her company have found a way to kind of tie all of the loose ends and and not just loose ends, but all the important aspects of a move, which involves so many things from estate attorneys to assessing what is the best housing for a senior thinking of moving, and consultation when it comes to finances and guardianships and everything. So um, Barb is the perfect guest, I believe, to kind of wind down. Uh, our first uh, season, which has been really a great experience. So I'm really excited about it.
0: I agree. Uh, it is, it kind of is the embodiment of what we've really tried to accomplish in this first season, which is kind of looking at each of the elements that go into this moving process. And, and Barb's company really tries to, to do that uh, in, in, in what they do. Uh, but it's been an absolute uh, pleasure and a really great experience to get to, to work through this whole first season And we've had so many great guests. Um, I I just, I feel very lucky to have been able to be a part of it. Uh, I do, of course, want to tell the folks listening that there is a, a second season that's already in production and we're hoping to uh, launch that in fall. So please be on the lookout for that. Uh, Like us on Facebook at the Moving in the Right Direction podcast, we're also on Instagram and uh, you can follow us there. Of course, also make sure you're uh, subscribed on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you don't miss uh, any of the new uh, season episodes once they come out. So that's all of our housekeeping for now. So really excited to get to our guest, Uh, but before we dive into our last episode of season one, anything else you wanna add, Bruce?
1: From the first podcast to the last of this season, I have been in this business for 43 years and I have learned such a great deal. I've learned so much about so many aspects of what I do. So I feel that I can be better um, in helping others, but not only that, I'm so happy because I feel that our audience is going to benefit from so much of this information. And I always say that the best way to um, avoid fear or get out of that fear that you're into is gaining information. Information is the salutary elixir for anybody feeling fear. So um, thanks again, Chris.
0: My pleasure. I heard a great acronym the other day for fear, the kind of the, uh... Is actually face everything and rise, and so hopefully in season one we we've really helped folks uh, to do that to really you know face all the elements that are uh, that that go into the senior moving process and, and giving you uh, all that information to help you uh, respectively rise. So
1: Chris, I have to say, I love that one over false evidence appearing real, which I've heard my entire life. I hate it. it. And it comes at it from such a negative, negative aspect.
0: Well, I know you're an optimist, Bruce, and I wanted to give you more of an optimistic spin, so uh, I really appreciate it. But without any further ado, uh, let's get to our guest. So I would like to welcome our guest today. She is the founder and president of the Senior Planning Group. I'm so excited to get to talk about this really unique and comprehensive service that they provide. We are joined today by Barbara Horstmeyer. We are so glad you could join us, Barbara, welcome.
2: Thank you, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here today.
0: Uh, So Barbara, before we really dive into things, can you just tell us a little bit about what the Senior Planning Group does?
2: Yeah, Senior Planning Group is a life care planning firm, which most people are unfamiliar with that phrase, but we specialize in comprehensive care management. We look at the financial funding of all of our long-term care needs, which we call benefits planning, and then I have a strategic alliance with elder law attorneys in our office from the Elder Law Center of Wisconsin.
0: So a really, really comprehensive approach, which we love, of course, the, you know, the kind of the, the mission statement of our podcast has been trying to guide people to, the, you know, the, the downsizing, the all the things that go along with uh, this stage uh, in our lives that we all go through. And I, and I love that your company really provides... So many of these services in one place. It's all right there. So that's, that's really cool. So you mentioned care management, Um, specifically, what types of services and assistance does a care manager provide?
2: So care management is a holistic service that provides all of our families with like a comprehensive guidance. Um, when either an older adult or a disabled family member is facing some type of health challenge. And so at the heart of the guidance is our care manager manager, who actually works right with the family to help them navigate. I always believe that there's a maze of medical planning and care decisions and obstacles that our families face um, as their loved one's condition changes and they're looking for someone to act as a guide. So think of a geriatric care manager as um, a consultant guide to help the family, just like we would do for our own family.
0: Sure, um, I, I think that's a great way to look at it. And it's something that I think everybody needs. Uh, now, you know, what is typically, I guess, if I could ask you, Barbara, the first step when someone decides to work with a care manager, or even they wanna work with the senior planning services. Uh, Is it typically gonna be like individuals that are requesting the services for themselves, or are you approached by family uh, and they begin that process? What does that typically look like?
2: Typically, it's the children who are reaching out to us. Um, We've been um, in business for almost 28 years, and so a word of mouth you know, between people either in their workplace is that families are struggling with aging parents. Uh, My own mother is still living at home and she's 95 and has multiple medical issues. And I think that families are making sure that they're doing the right thing unfortunately, I would say probably 60% of the families that reach out to us are in a crisis, which is always, as we know, that makes the heart hurt. And so it's harder to do planning when dad's just been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and his wife has what the kids say, a touch of dementia.
1: Barbara, you and I have spoken all over town. And the reason we did that and still do that is because we wanted to give folks out there, the information they would need so they wouldn't go into crisis management. And when, as you say, families do enter into crisis management, I know when I go into somebody's house and I do meet with the children and maybe mom or dad or both are sitting there, I see so many different perspectives on the same subject. So one child might think that, geez, you know, mom seems fine to me. And the other child thinks mom is maybe moving into dementia and another child thinks mom should stay forever because I love the house. And how do you deal with all those different perspectives from the children?
2: Yeah, and unfortunately, Bruce, you're right. Families come to us and they're usually overwhelmed. Um, And that's just because children, different children have different responsibilities in a family. You have the one child who's been at the emergency room with, with mom or with dad, and they're overwhelmed. You have the daughter who lives out of state and is trying to support the family, but the family's struggling because they don't see the care need the same because they each have different experience with their parents. So it's all about communication. And we always tell the children who come in to hire us is that our clients are not the children, our clients are the parents. And so it's imperative that when the children come in to see us that we actually go out to meet with the parents to find out what are their strengths, but what are their weaknesses? What is their goal? Because we know as we all age, we all have different goals of um, what our long-term care needs are going to be. And unfortunately, it's not just what we want, but it's also what we can afford. And then does a the family have the legal tools to even be able to assist their parents? And that's why we've combined the care with the finances with the legal because they all intertwine in the end. And in the middle is is the family and what their goals are.
1: So often I when I am meeting with the family and because we do have all these perspectives, how do you determine who's going to be the point person, because you can't be dealing with four or five siblings at one time and continually making decisions about power of attorney and all the different legal issues. So how do you have that conversation with the family to kind of determine who is that person that can help make those decisions?
2: That's a great question. And the answer is it varies. So if the, if, if if children come to us about their parents and we've, explained our services to them, we go out and actually meet the clients, which let's say are their parents. So if the husband is alert and oriented, and he's the decision maker, but he has a terminal illness, he is going to be the person who's going to be um, our main contact. They have to then give us in writing which of the children we can speak to. And we use, um, you know, email blasts to all the children so that when one asks one question, everyone has, you know, the answer. Now, some parents don't want their children to be involved in the decision-making. And as long as they're alert and oriented and able to make their own decisions, we can move forward. But sometimes we go out to see clients. And um, I have one just now that um, he's, not competent to make his own decisions and he's only 65 years old with frontal temporal dementia so we have to then look to the legal documents that that client might have and he's actually a retired attorney himself is what who did he name on his legal documents to make those decisions because the call i took just before i got on this blog from you was from his neuropsychologist stating that they have to activate that health care power of attorney so now this client is no longer be able to make the decisions if he can stay home alone, you know, so it, it becomes complicated. And then we reach out to the child who's named in the document to make those hard decisions for his father and the type of care he's going to need.
0: It sounds like there are so many, you know, tough situations and tough scenarios that you have to deal with when it comes to things like this. Uh, I, I, ha- I just, when I'm listening to it, though, I, I have to think, you know, it is really great that you can have one place where kind of a central hub where all of these, you know, different branches or the different hands are talking to one another as far as, you know, the legal aspects and the care aspects. So having, having everything streamlined, I think, is, you know, uh, uh, crucial in this situation.
2: Yeah, and being respectful to all the family members and their feelings. Unfortunately, probably 20% of the time, though, the children are holding off on getting services because of the cost of long-term care, which we all know is in the forefront. The average nursing home, you know, in the greater Milwaukee, Waukesha, Ozaukee County area is over $13,000, $14,000 per month. Wow. Memory care facilities used to start at about $5,500 a month, and now they're $75 to $8,500 a month. And that's just for the assisted memory care. So so the finances is something that we have to look at very, very carefully to make sure that if a family wants to have in-home care 24 hours, we're looking at $16,000 a month for in-home caregivers.
0: you mentioned benefits planning now i think that's what that refers to right is helping navigate through these through all the potential financial situations that are going to come up with long term care or the types of different care i mean just I can just hearing you talk about it, I can absolutely see why someone would say, I, I can't wrap my head around that right now. I can't, you know, there's there's so much there, you know, and our, our number one kind of defense mechanisms as humans is just kind of like procrastination or, you know, putting it off because I don't know and I'm, I'm kind of afraid of it. But as you mentioned also, you know, you're seeing so many people that are coming to you for the first time and they're already in crisis mode because unfortunately, you know, and I, I completely get it. Uh, but they've they've put these things off because these are things that people don't want to deal with uh, right away because they're very unpleasant and they're also really, really complicated. You know, what, what's your experience when you can work with someone a little earlier on versus, um, you know, having to deal with those individuals that are coming to you in crisis mode?
2: So um, I love when families come to me early. Uh, Typically, it's because maybe their in-laws have been in crisis and now they're looking at for their own parents. And so I have a red book binder um, handout that I give families. And, And Bruce is familiar with this. We've talked about it before, is having your parents sit down and give you a rough estimate of you know, I, these are the three banks that I work with. This is the name of my broker. I have Medicare Advantage plan. I don't have a supplement. This is my primary care doctor. Um, I have an income and I have a pension, but my pension ends at my death and doesn't have a survivorship for my spouse. So you you want to be able to pre-plan to make sure both your legal documents match your your plan and that someone in your family is aware, especially your power of attorney, of what financial information you have and where to access that information. I think that's imperative.
1: Barbara, you know also when I meet folks, they, they tend to cringe when I even mentioned the potential cost of, as you said, a nursing home, uh, a memory care unit. They can't believe it when I, when I tell them what the prices are and the range. And so often I hear from them, well, is there some way that we can, you know, have the house put in our name, and avoid all those costs so that mom or dad can get on uh, on the state uh, programs that are available, um, such as Medicaid, etc. I cringe when I hear that because uh, I know that there's a look back, and maybe you can kind of talk a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, that's really complicated, and I'll just touch on it. So there is, um, there's a, it's a federal law called spousal impoverishment, and that is a law that each state has somewhat a chance to interpret, but it allows a community spouse, meaning the person that doesn't have a care need to protect certain assets. So when I collect all of that financial information, I put it in a report for the families that I can tell them this is a countable asset, this is an unavailable asset, and this is an exempt asset. And so Putting together a financial plan for the family will allow them, for example, if they have a cottage up north or families come to us and they have a farm and they're afraid that they're going to have to sell the farm for care, there are there are legal strategies that the state of Wisconsin has allowed families to use to protect assets. Now, if my social worker was sitting next to me, she would say, time out. If you don't have assets, you don't get to pick where you go because facilities like memory care, any type of assisted living has the right to discharge somebody who no longer can privately pay. So we make sure that when our families move into a care facility, their assets support the private pay obligation needed. So Bruce, your example would be that if somebody comes to me and the only thing mom has is a house and about 20,000, I would tell that family, it's not in your best interest to transfer that house because what's mom going to use to be able to ensure that she gets the dignity and great care that she needs during her lifetime? So it's a balance.
0: Yeah, definitely uh, getting that balance has got to be really, really important. Um, I, I also wanted to talk about, just to kind of circle back to when you were, when we were talking before about how family members are usually the people that are starting this process with you. I I wanted to ask what that process looks like as far as, you know, when the individuals that are going to be under the care, uh, when they're brought in, which I would imagine, obviously, it's very, very soon. But just what does that look like? Because I'm just imagining a listener saying, okay, I think I'm in a situation where, you know, uh, mom or dad, I think they could benefit from this. Obviously, this is quite a topic that is hard to broach with uh, with mom or dad. We don't know what their reaction is going to be. Uh, We're doing this because we care about them. We want the best for them. But if you could maybe just go over how to most effectively navigate this conversation.
2: Excellent question. So typically after the children come and see us, I will get that comment that my mom and dad are really hesitant and I'm afraid that they're not going to want to meet with you. And I always offer free consultations. So I either ask them if they would like to invite me into the home or they can come if they felt they're more comfortable, they can come into our office and once they meet with me, I always explain to them that your children care and love love you so much that they're just concerned and making sure that you understand all the things that are available to you. So sometimes if I find out, for example, that gentleman is a veteran, I'll let him know that there's veterans benefits to help support him and his wife to be, remain in the home. And it's about allowing them to be in the driver's seat. So instead of explaining to them all of our services, I always ask them, tell me a little bit about what's going on. And oftentimes they will just open up and say, yeah, we're at home and we're struggling, but our kids are supporting us. And then I'll remind them that I'm there then to support the children. I'm here as a resource to the family.
1: Barbara, I know that um, all of us have good intentions for our parents and uh, we all like to think that, but I know that I've had some situations where I Had a sense that some of the family, or maybe there's only one person taking care of mom or dad, that maybe doesn't have their greatest interest in mind. And I'm sensing they want to keep them in the house. Uh, I hate to say this because of uh, maybe future inheritance, that. And so I don't know if you've run across that. And if you do, how do you handle it? And how do you sense that that's happening?
2: Yeah, unfortunately, it happens all the time. Um, and I think it's, it's small baby steps. So if there are other family members, I tread lightly. I go slowly and my, always remind everyone, my goal is their goal. My goal is to make sure that, you know, all your options. Once I look at the financials, I take it to the person who, um, would be able to help me if I see, um, theft, which we do see a financial elder abuse is rapid. It's rapid among our family members, our nieces, our nephews. Uh, we recently had a, a nun from a church um, who had taken hundreds of thousands of dollars. So I have to be very careful. I have to make sure that I have the information correct. I reach out to the financial planner or a broker. You know, I call in Adult Protective Services um, and I, I reach out you know, as much as I can to those who I feel I can trust to help me with that adult. But um, we do stop the theft, you know, in the end, you know, I've had to get the district attorney involved in several cases of um, abuse, which is, is horrible, especially when it's done just to keep the inheritance intact and allow the parent, you know, to struggle at home or to totally be neglected.
0: Wow. Like, I just, I don't even have words for that but you know and the fact that you see it so like that it's not a super rare occurrence that you see it kind of often just is so jarring Um, I mean I guess the only silver lining I can you know can can see in that situation is that again your company and, and you specifically Barbara are acting as a guide through that situation. Because this is one of the toughest scenarios that uh, a family or an individual can go through in their life. Uh, This is something that no one is really prepared for. It can be the definition of overwhelming, I think. And just having that knowledge that there is this service here that can really guide uh, individuals through all of the steps, all the individual services that you guys provide, but then even something as, as uh, you know, the introductory um, approach to talking with mom and dad and uh, dealing with all of the family dynamics that might be going on. The fact that you can let you literally you know, act as a, as a kind of a mediator in that uh, alone is invaluable.
2: It is invaluable to the family because everybody comes with their own ideas of what should, you know, what mom and dad need. And they sometimes forget to just ask the parents. And when you really peel it apart, I find that um, the client themselves, meaning the parents or the person to whom we're being hired for, will eventually open up. If it's not to me, it's going to be one of the care managers. And just being really honest of how do you see this moving forward? What's most important to you? Um, I think I think it's the overwhelming fact of not understanding the finances and what insurance covers We haven't even discussed that the majority of people who come to me don't know the difference between Medicare and Medicaid they use the words interchangeably and they don't understand why if their mother had a stroke and went through rehab at the nursing home when she's discharged why isn't there any coverage for her to have aids to come in the house they don't understand that, there is no coverage under Medicare for our disabilities that are related to the diseases. And they're you know shocked when they have to look at that, that cost of care. The families fail to plan when they know that dad has pancreatic cancer and most likely has less than a year to live. And yet they know their mom has memory loss, but they're not putting together a plan. So in that example, we met with just Um, the gentleman who had the terminal illness and said, what, what can I do for you to give you peace of mind now that you're passing that your wife needs? And, And his kids are like, my dad wants to keep mom home and take care of her. Well, that's not what he told me. He told me he wanted to tour on his own. He wanted to look at some facilities. He wanted to be able to place his mother. I mean, his wife in a facility that he can feel comfortable that she's gonna be cared for. And so instead of having the kids support dad with mom at home, we actually placed her into a memory care facility. And he was able to actually at the end of his life with his hospice provider move in so that they could actually be together during that short time that he had.
1: You know, Barbara, I know how knowledgeable you are of of all the people I've ever met. Um, You have that universal view. You know just about every aspect of what seniors are going through when they think of moving and the challenges and so on and so forth. And one of the things that you told me about that I didn't even know about quite a while ago, and I've uh, thus told other people about are benefits that are available. There's so many benefits out there. Um, one of them that, that really comes to the forefront uh, are VA benefits. Most people don't know that they're available and when they do find out they're, they're really shocked as to the uh, benefit that they do receive. So maybe you can just talk a little bit about that.
2: Sure, so the veterans benefits that is um, available that we work with, the uh, benefit is the aid and attendance benefit Um, This is a benefit for any veteran who served 90 days active duty with one day falling within a wartime period. So oftentimes people will say, well, my dad was in Korea, but um, he didn't serve. He served stateside. He was at a desk. That doesn't matter if your parent or a family member served 90 days active duty during a wartime period. There may be benefits for them for long term care. Now there are several benefits that the VA has um, and I'm not um, a specialist in all those benefits, but I always make sure that my clients who have a long-term care cost, either needing care in their home or their condo or somebody who moves into an assisted living or a memory care facility can apply to their veteran service officer in the county in which they live to look to see if the veteran can receive um a benefit to help pay for that long-term care. Now I don't have those exact numbers here with me, but the benefit is over 2200 for the veteran and over 1500 for a spouse of a veteran. So oftentimes people will call me about their mother who her spouse had passed and the widow can receive this benefit as well, which really makes a difference when we're looking at someone who has an income of, let's say uh, $2,500 a month, and that veteran can get another $2,000. Now we have $4,500 a month to put towards their cost of care. And if I have an assisted living that needs two years private pay, but they have less assets, all of a sudden somebody with 80,000 can go into that facility uh, even though they don't have more, like we like to see about 150000 for private pay because he gets extra income of over 24000 a year from the VA. So it's one of those benefits that um, we explore when we're putting together what we call that benefits planning. There's also the Older Americans Act that people don't think about. There is a, um, in the state of Wisconsin, we have an Alzheimer's caregiver grant that gives people $400 a month. And it's not even means tested, meaning you don't have to have, an X amount of dollars to receive that benefit. You just have to have a diagnosis of some form of dementia.
0: Wow. Well, so much great information. And, you know, it is something that I want to just reiterate. I think the points that I'm hearing, and I just heard here is, you know, having that information and guidance is huge. And you clearly, Barbara, have a wealth of information and you provide a wealth of guidance. So I I think that's super important. Also, I think we've, we've really touched on, you know, the individuals that are going to be receiving the care involve them as much as possible. And this is not something that we've just touched on in this podcast. We've touched on it in pretty much all of the podcast episodes we've done up until this point, which is how important it is. To make, you know, whether it is mom or dad, certainly could be somebody else, but having them be a part of the decision process. Nobody wants to feel like they have no independence anymore. Really doing as much as possible to um, maintain that sense of independence uh, for the individuals that are going into this, uh, I think is super important. And then finally, avoiding crisis mode. So now, Barbara, you've mentioned that that is unfortunately how a lot of people do come into you for that first consultation, but maybe what are some other signs or life events or things that could maybe tell our listeners, hey, you know what, now is a good time to just start the consultation process.
2: Sure. So I think one of the things I encourage um, my peers to do, because I'm 65, is Talk to your parents, um, especially if they're not in crisis and just remind them, you know, mom and dad, do you have your legal documents in place? And where would I find those if it's important? Asking the question, um, like I mentioned about you know, having a binder. Uh, My mother would tell you that she's got a three ring binder. She keeps it hidden away. We don't really look at it, but we all know that my mother's organized her information that in the event we need to use it, that it's accessible to us. So starting the conversation as adult children and reminding them that they do that too, meaning that, you know, anyone who's you know, 50s, 60s, or actually anybody over 18 needs to have powers of attorney for health and finance. So just starting those conversations, but not to be aggressive and say, you know, I need to look at all your information. A lot of people are very private. It's just letting them know that you're there to help them. I think that if we're starting to see changes in health, we have to start opening the conversation, maybe offer to go with them to see a physician. But things that people will tell me they notice is that their mom's having problems Uh, balancing the checkbook or every time they come and visit the mail is all over the house so those are little signs right away that um, maybe the sequencing of paying the bills is getting overwhelmed but that actually tells me that there might be some memory loss or you know some form of dementia happening if we're if we're not actually paying our bills on time or their health insurance is lapsing you know, and offering not to take it over, but to say, mom, would you like me to assist you with balancing the checkbook? So it's really just being aware. Simple things like looking at the refrigerator and noticing that the food is getting old, I think that's really important too, you know, and, and what is their nutrition? So there's a lot of areas that I think as adult children, we can be monitoring our elderly parents.
0: And I think you bring up a great strategy too, which is just, you know, saying it, approaching it, as something like, Hey, you know, this is something I'm doing. You know, I'm also, I have a, I'm keeping up with my, my will, with my power of attorney, with my, it's almost just like a life hygiene, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, an act of life hygiene and just something like, Oh, I, do you, do you do this as well, or maybe the mom or dad will mention, oh, you know, I keep overdrafting, or this or that's happening uh, when we're just chatting on the phone. Maybe can I come over and just I can help you. Maybe you know I I did get a, an accounting degree. Maybe if you're an accountant, or maybe not. Just just offering that up in some way that is not threatening or aggressive. Overall, being very intentional and mindful and compassionate about uh, about about starting that conversation and starting that process. You
1: know, uh, Chris, as I listened to you and I listened to Barbara, it is, uh, I know with my own mother and she's 95 and we've had a lot of conversations and in the beginning, um, you know, I know that it it got a little testy between us um, because I wanted the best for her, but Often, I think what I've learned is that we stay away from the personal pronoun I, as an example. So when you're talking to mom, dad, say, you know, instead of saying, mom, I'm worried about you, I think you should move. I see you're not paying the bills. It's all I, I, I. And to mom, it's it's all about you, you, you. You don't care about me. You just want to get this over. You got a busy life. And and so I think the words that we use when we talk are so critical so that they feel that you really do have their welfare in mind, uh, and you're not uh, using your own feelings and worried about yourself, even though that isn't the case, but it could come across that way.
0: Yeah, Bruce, I think that's such a great point. Um, I really appreciate that insight. And it also kind of, it comes back to that second point, my second kind of takeaway from our discussion already, which is allowing mom or dad to, you know, that they're involved, that they're part of this. This is not just about uh, I'm asking you this and it's I, 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 you know, like this is really a collaborative process, but really at the forefront is mom or dad or whomever we're helping and their decisions and their independence, uh, which we want to keep intact as much as possible. And, you know, that's their, there's a big sense of pride that we need to be mindful of.
2: And as, as people age, they want to be able to feel independent. They don't want to be a burden. I hear that from my mother. They don't want, she doesn't want to be a burden on us, but she still wants the dignity um, of self-independence, even if it means they make bad decisions. You know, for example, someone who falls at home Does that mean that you can't be home? No. Does it mean if you move into assisted living, you might not fall? Nope, you're still going to fall. People fall in assisted livings and nursing homes every day. doesn't change. It's because of their independence of not asking for help. So if you're moving your parents just because they fall, they're still going to be falling because that same person isn't going to put her call light on at home. So it's really just being respectful to find out what can we do then to lessen the falls instead of using the whole strategy you're going to have to move now because you fall
0: yeah and maintaining that sense of self for everybody and also just like yeah like you said like we all make mistakes that's going to happen and there's no um there's no there's no situation we can enter into that's going to make us non-human and and to say, well, you know, you've made a mistake. You've made two mistakes. I think we have to go ahead and do something and take away your, you know, your independence it is not. We want to, you know, be on the lookout and we want to help, but we want to guide and we want to be collaborative and we want to help mom or dad keep their sense of self and keep their sense of dignity. That's super important. And, and as loving family members, I think that's something that we have to, to keep at the forefront of our intention.
2: Yeah, small steps and be caring, be loving, and talk less and listen more.
0: So important to listen (laughs) that, you know, and and, you know, we've got long relationships with our mom and dad, probably the longest relationship we have in life, right? You know, it's been from day one. And so, you know, sometimes it's easy for us to lose sight of that. We have, I guess what I'm trying to say is we have a lot of uh, built-in emotions and things that go along with our parents To, to take the time to step out of that a little bit, and to really just to focus on the, the matter at hand is, is really, really important. Uh, Barbara, I know we are running out of time. I think we, we could talk about this stuff forever, um, but I do want to speak of a common thing that we see especially in Wisconsin and other areas of the Midwest and pretty much anywhere that's cold is uh, when, when folks get a little older, they move to warmer climates, either part-time or full-time, you know, they're your snowbirds, uh, as they would say. Um, so do your care managers or, you know, does senior planning uh, ever work with families that need to help their loved ones move back home to like, let's say from Florida to Wisconsin or something like that. Is that something you guys work with?
2: Yes, we do. Um, And it seems to be Florida, Arizona, and South Carolina. That seems to be where we get calls from. Um, Yes, we do. So we're usually um, collecting the medical records because obviously our care managers are not gonna travel. Um, Oftentimes I reach out to a private geriatric care management firm in the area to do the assessment. Because unfortunately, when the children give us a description of their parent, they're not always accurate, not because they're not being truthful, because they just don't have the knowledge. You know, they say there's a little bit of memory loss and you know, we don't want to be moving somebody over here in Wisconsin to a residential care apartment complex when um, they really shouldn't have an activated healthcare power of attorney because they need to be in a memory care unit. So um, we work with the medical professionals out of state, and then um, we collect all the financial and legal information. Um, one of the things that's most important is we send them the Wisconsin power of attorney for healthcare document to get that signed because the Wisconsin healthcare, Dep- healthcare POA is very specific um, language which they talk about these memory care units, meaning may my agent admit me to a community-based residential facility, which is a memory care facility. And in the state of Florida, for example, the healthcare power of attorney does not have that question. And so if it gets activated, they can't move them in, and then we have to do a guardianship. So we ship off, our attorneys ship off powers of attorney for healthcare immediately for somebody who does not have Wisconsin documents. Most likely their financial POA works out of state and that we have our attorneys review those, but we do coordinate the care and bringing them back to Wisconsin.
1: Barbara, this has been absolutely fantastic. I was so excited to hear when you agreed to come on our podcast, because I know, you know, more than anyone I know when it comes to senior issues and senior planning. And so I just want to thank you for coming on the show today. It really meant a lot to me. And I know our listeners have learned an incredible amount, probably want to play this back about three times because there's a lot of information on here. So Barbara, thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
2: Well, thank you for the opportunity, Bruce.
0: And uh, Barbara, before we wrap, I just last bit to, to leave our listeners with, to those individuals out there that are that have a, a, a parent that could be um, in need of services like these, if they're approaching that time uh, for in the lives of mom or dad or another family member, if they're feeling those overwhelming feelings, uh, just you know maybe some advice uh, to those individuals that are in this place of just feeling paralyzed with feelings of being overwhelmed.
2: I would just encourage them to call us. We always offer either um, a free consult, either like this on a Zoom call. We could um, have them come in the office. But just know they're not alone. You know, knowledge is power. And the more knowledge you can gather, the better the outcome, I think. You know, um, we do have a website. They can go to seniorplanninginc.com. There's a, a, a wide variety of information in all of our disciplines, care management, Uh, the benefits and financial planning of long-term care. Um, There's a tab that our elder law attorneys had put in there regarding legal issues. Um, Or just give us a jingle. Our phone number is 262-670-8888. And we can set up uh, a phone appointment to meet with people.
0: Perfect. Well, uh, and I do want to remind listeners that uh, both that website and that phone number will be in the show notes so that uh, every, anyone can grab that from the uh, podcast player that they are currently using to listen and get that information. And, uh, and Barbara, again, I echo the sentiments of Bruce. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. We, we really appreciate your expertise and, and we really appreciate you taking the time to, to chat with us today.
2: All right. Thank you so much.
0: So again, I want to give a special thanks to Barbara. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. And, uh, also, and also, Bruce, uh, before we wrap, just uh, one final time, where can folks find information about what you have going on?
1: Uh, thanks, Chris. And I first want to thank you for this first season of our podcast because uh, I believe the information that we've gotten is incredible. I, I do this every day. But I have learned so much from all the guests that we've had, and I'm looking forward to our next season when uh, we'll have more guests, more subjects covered. But anyone who wants to reach me, uh, brucesteam.com is where you can always find me, and on there I have articles about every kind of aspect of senior living and, and issues that come up, uh, as long as, as well as the podcast. So you can reach me at brucesteam.com or you can call us anytime at 262-242-6177. So thanks, Chris.
0: Hey, it's my pleasure. And like you mentioned, Bruce, that's going to do it for our first season of the show. It's been great. It's been a privilege and a wonderful opportunity to get to, to do this and to uh, talk to so many great individuals. And uh, I hope that all the listeners have really enjoyed all of the the knowledge uh, that we've been able to get from all of our experts. So again, uh, Of course, you can uh, subscribe if you're not already subscribed, which you should be subscribed already. But you can do that on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. Uh, You can, of course, get the podcast at Bruce's aforementioned website, www.brucesteam.com. Uh, or wherever else you get your podcasts and stay subscribed because not only are we going to be uh, coming back with our next season before you know it, but there's also a very good chance we'll be putting some additional stuff out there in the feed as new events or interesting information comes up. So uh, thanks again so much for listening and, and joining Bruce and I in this journey through our season one. Uh, and And join us next season as we will keep you moving in the right direction. Thanks so much. We'll see you then.